Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from each week's NASCAR race. This week, Dover. Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 5. I'm your host, Connor. And I will be talking about my top five thoughts from this week's race at Dover. Before we get into it, please take a moment to check me out on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash the top five, all spelled out. Also, if you are on Facebook, check us out. Facebook page, the top five. Hit us with a like, share a comment, share your thoughts. If you disagree with anything I have to say, or agree, let's jump on and have a fun conversation about NASCAR. So let's get right into this week's top five. Number one. I'm a big fan of Dover. I think it's a fun track. It kind of reminds me of Bristol, but on a much larger size. But with the steep banking uh, all the way around the track, uh, there's usually good racing all the way through the pack. Uh, I was happy that Larry Mack was in the booth. I think Larry Mack does such a phenomenal job in the booth. He is so emotionally invested to these races, and he really shows that through his enthusiasm in the way that he calls the race. And I, I really enjoy it. I wish that he would be in the booth more often, or even permanently. But obviously Fox isn't listening to what I want for the booth. Uh, one negative about Dover, it needs lights. If tracks like Daytona can have lights, all of or most of the 1.5 mile speedways have lights, I don't see why it's unreasonable to ask Dover to get lights. The amount of money that they charge for race tickets these days, it is unfair to the fans paying those premiums to not give them every chance possible to get that race in on the scheduled day. If it just won't stop raining, I get it. But, you know, I, I take my boys to two races a year, and I'm not complaining about what I pay for tickets, but it's not cheap. And thankfully, one of the racetracks is close to our house, and when it has been rained out, we were able to just go home and then come back the next day. But we always go to an away track each year, and thankfully as of yet, it has never been rained out, knock on wood. But we're going to Worldwide Technology uh, in about a month, and if that gets rained out, I, I'm not going to be able to stay for Monday. My boys have school and I have work. And to pay almost $200 for um, three people, two of them being the the children's pricing tickets to see a race i'm happy to do it but you have to provide me every chance to see that race on the scheduled day or lower ticket costs which we all know they're not going to do but that's my only negative about dover and i hope that they take that into account it is on the grounds of a casino so i'm i mean i'm guessing that the funding is not the issue for that also, there's a horse race track in the infield of Dover, which is really cool. I would love to go there and see horse racing uh, sometime. 
would also love to go there and see uh, NASCAR racing. But that horse racing track, albeit much smaller than the large track, does have lights. So the power is there. I'm sure the funding is there. I think that they need to step up and get that taken care of. That said, on Sunday, they did get some of the race in. They got about 80 laps in, and then it was postponed till Monday, which leads me into my next takeaway. Number two. So the rain rain would not go away Sunday, and they had to run this race on Monday, which has happened multiple times in the spring Dover race. But it is what it is. I found it interesting with the cars being set up to run on cloudy weather and cooler weather on Sunday. Uh, they're not allowed to do anything with the cars. The cars are impounded by NASCAR. So that when they restart the race Monday, it is as if it was just a, a normal yellow flag type situation. But the track was incredibly different. It was sunny. It was warmer. Uh and Larry Mack said that no other track in the circuit is affected more by weather changes or track temperature changes than Dover because it's a concrete. So because of that, it seemed for the rest of stage one, the cars just kind of rolled around to feel out the track to see how their, their cars would react. Uh, Hamlin won stage one. Tires were a big deal at this race. And managing tire wear with how many sets of tires they had, which was eight sets of tires, I believe, was crucial. Uh, so everyone came down at the end of stage one for tires. Uh, Hamlin was the first off-pit road. Unfortunately for him, his uh, tire was the second off-pit road. Hamlin... Uh, tire changer did not get the, the single lug secured and the tire came off and his crew chief will have a four week suspension, which makes absolutely no sense to me why NASCAR insisted on having a single lug, which would by any reasonable, uh, expectation cause for tires to come off if not properly installed and then make such a hefty punishment on the crew chiefs when what was expected to happen happened I, I just don't get it I, I don't see how nascar can enforce these but it is what it is so stage two started and the racing picked up considerably it seemed like the guys started to get a feel for what their cars could and could not do, and they got a little racy with it. Uh, early in stage two, Larson blew a tire, spun on the front stretch, and had probably the second best save ever at Dover. Uh, he was able to keep it mostly off the wall. Uh, and then shortly after that, Kurt Busch spun uh, with 62 to go in stage two. And then on that restart, Joey Logano hit the wall, which Logano had himself a, uh, a real, re really, really rough day today. Back of the pack all day long. Uh, he was my prediction to win on the last podcast. 
but he had a, a rough day all day, could not get it together. Then I got put in the wall, and that was that was a wrap on the old 22's day. What I paid a lot of attention to in stage two, some in stage one, but mostly all of stage two, was the 19 and the one. Those two could not get away from each other all day. Uh, they were either passing each other or nose to tail pretty much all of stage two. And then there would be a little break where they wouldn't be right on each other. And then they all of a sudden they'd be back to each other like magnets. It was impressive to see. It was fun to watch. It was hard racing. Uh, towards the end of stage two, the radio chatter picked up and drivers were, were complaining about tires. Crew chiefs were trying to calm them down saying there's only a few laps to go. Just ride it out. Uh, but, Cody Ware spun off of uh, stage, off of turn two with nine to go in stage two. And Denny Hamlin was was right behind him, had nowhere to go, and got caught up in the mix. I felt bad for Denny Hamlin, which is a rarity for me to say. But he had a tough day between the tire and then getting uh, hit by Cody Ware, and his car got pretty well messed up. He was able to continue, but... Of no doing of his own, Hamlin really had a, a top five car that he just couldn't compete with because of these things. So everyone came for tires, except for Blaney and uh, Jeb Burton. They restarted with three laps to go. Of course, Jeb Burton just got in everyone's way because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing behind a, the wheel of a cup car. But Blaney on old tires was able to hold off Kyle Busch and win stage two. It was a very impressive run. Of course, it didn't last long. At the end of stage two, he had to go and get tires and move to the back. But those stage points are proving to be so important and such a, a value add to teams that they're willing to do uh, take risky moves to get them. And it makes for a better overall race, in my opinion. Big win by NASCAR by, by doing the stage racing and by awarding stage points. So then we were on to stage number three and my third point of the podcast. Number three. So stage three started and Kyle Larson found himself back in the top 10 fighting for a top five position. And it dawned on me. One thing I always hear from non-NASCAR fans is that they just turn left for three hours. And when somebody has that hot take, I always just agree with them. Yep, that's right. You're right. Because you can't, you can't argue with uh, somebody who already knows the answers. But one reason why these races are so long is so that storylines like that can develop. In an Xfinity race or a truck race, if you have a spin like Larson had, your day's over. You're done. But in a Cup Series race, you're able to work on it all day and get yourself back in the position that Larson got himself in. And I found that to be, I found the save that Larson had to be insanely impressive. But I also found his ability to work on it and his team's ability to work on it all day and put himself back in position to compete to be incredibly uh, impressive. So most of stage three was pretty 
benign until the first set of green flag pit stops. Kyle Busch was leading, and he probably had the best car in the field that day. And him and Bowman, who was in second, pitted under green flag. While they were on pit road, Suarez spun, brought out the caution. Huge break for them. Because they were already on pit road, they were allowed to complete their pit stop and get back out on the track. And everyone else in the field was going to pit. So, massive break for them. Uh, except for somebody got caught speeding. Both of them, actually. Bowman and Kryle got caught speeding. Uh, that pretty much was the end of Kyle Bush's day. I'm sure a pacifier in a baby bottle helped calm him down after the race. Uh, maybe he had to be burped and had his little diaper changed. But if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times. There's no finer day than watching Kyle Busch have a bad day. So, just like earlier, restarts cause cautions. So they restarted from that. Uh, but 59 to go, Reddick spun, which caused the 12th caution of the day. Everyone came back down, restarted 53 to go, and Chase just ran away with it from that point. Just absolutely dominated from that point forward. And good for him. All four Hendrick cars have a win so far this season. That is 11 races into the season. So that is uh, that is impressive. Uh, there were only 15 cars on the lead lap at the end of the race. I found that st statistic to be quite interesting. Also, I gained a new amount of respect for Chastain. The, I've been saying this for weeks now, so I don't know why I act surprised. But the way that he raced Chase Elliott before Chase decided that he was just going to put it down and, and drive off was impressive. He hung right with him. Trackhouse Racing is really stepping up and, and putting together quite a, a solid team. Which leads me to my number four point. Number four. So after the race, Truex was mad at Chastain. Now, to add context, on the final lap in third, Chastain was in third and Truex was in fourth. Truex had a run coming down the backstretch off turn two. Chastain threw a block and Truex's car did not handle the block well and ended up spinning up down the backstretch. So, uh, Chase Elliott took the checkered and yellow flag at the same time. Nothing against Chase. He, he earned that win by a lot. And Truex was pissed. Now, Chastain admitted that he could have done better. But, I mean, it was a racing move. It's not, it wasn't dirty by any means. And he clearly didn't mean to spin out Truex. He meant to throw a block. That's what everyone does. I pulled a clip of Chastain being interviewed on pit road right after the race. Listen, this is in his own words. 
Ross Chastain, strong day here. Uh, and then obviously a conversation with Martin Truex Jr. there at the end. What was that? Yeah, super strong day for our, our track house team. Um, it's fought the, the grip level all day. It really wasn't a – we were tight at times. We were loose at times. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough. We were just always grip limited and um, just too tight firing off on those late, late restarts. But, man, we're, we're racing with champions, and I, I just got beat. Yeah, it's like I said, man. We're racing with champions, and like we're we're going head to head with them. So uh, we're just too tight there. Um, I just couldn't. I should have chose the inside, probably looking back. And I got away with one where we were ahead by a nose, and then on that the final one that he got got me got by me. Um, you know, I, I should have learned my lesson. And I just. Oh, just, just racing hard. I crowded him up and um, should have left him more of a lane. What, what was your takeaway from your conversation with Martin? Oh, we were talking about where we were going to go fishing next week. That is the perfect post-confrontation interview, in my opinion. He did the trifecta of not being a little baby. He gave credit to the other drivers. He took personal responsibility for his own actions, and he kept the personal information personal. I love that response when asked what Truex had to say, and he said we were discussing where we're going to go fishing next week. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. On top of that, he has had seven top fives, two wins, and led 243 laps. That is absolutely outstanding he is having one of the best starts of the season and no it reminds me of when Truex won his championship oddly enough Truex had been a decent driver for a handful of years and then one season came out of nowhere and just dominated the season and ran away with the championship and he did it on a lesser funded team. Not that necessarily Trackhouse is lesser funded, but they are newer or new, brand new. Um, the similarities, at least to this point of the season, stand out to me. And to watch Truex be a crybaby like Truex is and Chastain handle it like a true pro was epic. All in all, I would give this Dover race a, a B plus. It would have been an A plus had they been able to get it in on Sunday having headlights or had the cars not had to feel it out for a while at the beginning. But it had great racing throughout the entire pack and it had a, a not really that exciting finish, but there were fireworks after. So let's move on to my last points. Oh, and if anyone's wondering, there's no trending with Mackenzie this week. She's at school camp, so she will be missed, and we will hear from her again next week. Number five. So my last takeaway is looking forward to the race at Darlington, which I am very curious what to expect. I uh, The last handful of years darlington has not provided the best racing 
It's Throwback Weekend, which is kind of cool. But if you ever wonder why they do Throwback Weekend, it's a gimmick. It's meant to draw attention. And if you look at the the commercials or the highlights for Dover, it's going to be the Kurt Busch, Ricky Craven uh, closest finish in NASCAR history. Because that was over 20 years ago that that happened, or almost 20 years ago. In 20 years at Dover, there aren't any other highlights worth sharing. I think the previous generation car was an absolute dud at Darlington, and I'm very curious to see if this new-gen car will provide better racing, better side-by-side action, and a more exciting race overall. So I look forward to... Uh, watching it i will obviously take notes and uh, share my top five after the race and i hope to hear from you i really appreciate you tuning in and i hope you take the time to check us out on patreon at patreon.com forward slash the top five also facebook page the top five you'll see the nascar cup series logo So please take the time to check it out, share your thoughts, agree, disagree. I just enjoy having conversations about NASCAR. So thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to speaking with you next week. This has been the Top 5, and I'm Connor.